Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit CARON.org slash lost. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Yeah, what's up? It's your boy, Joel Ortiz, and I want everybody to make sure that they subscribe and download the podcast, Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Einenko. Yo, Tim, I hope all is well. You my guy. I know these interviews are not interviews. They're actually conversations, and I appreciate them all. Yeah, well. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ice-T. I want you to do something for me. Make sure you download and subscribe Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews. With Tim I and Cal. It is O fucking official. Alright? Stop playing. Download and subscribe. Library Rap. The hip hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. It's cold. Yes, sir, yes, sir. It's your boy Farrell March in the building. I need y'all to make sure you subscribe and download to the podcast Library Rap. Hip-hop interviews with your boy Tim Einenkel. You already know. He's dope. He's a genius. He's responsible for one of the greatest albums of all time, Word Life. He's OC. And I want to welcome him to allhiphop.com presents the library with Tim Einenkel. OC, thank you so much for being here. It's an honor. Thank you. Once again, my friend. Hey. <laughs> man, what's up, man? What's up? Um, so let's start from, you know, um, we're both from New York City. I grew up in Washington Heights. You grew up in Brooklyn. Um, can you take us back to the time where you, when you were growing up in Brooklyn in the 70s and 80s? And what was that like first versus now? But also, when did you become first aware of hip hop culture and what becomes this amazing movement? Well, I was, um, I grew up in Brooklyn and Queens, but, um, I became aware of the whole scene in Brooklyn, black parties. Um, excuse me, I had uh, I had family Van Devere projects downtown, you know, uh, Flatbush in the Ville. Um, I seen Divine Sounds bring out the system when I was a kid in Bed Stuy. Um, I was just exposed to it from a kid, you know, from a child. And it always fascinated me, you know what I'm saying? And, and the thing that, that fascinated me the most was the second man behind the ropes. And it wasn't, you know, the MC wasn't first. It was, he was the guy that hyped up, you know, the DJ. But I wanted to be, that. I wanted to be the, the, the guy behind the mic you know, talking to the people. And it seemed like besides people being um, 
fascinated with the DJ playing music, people was more fascinated as well with the guy that had the mic in his hand. And the DJ only uh, introduced guys from what I saw. And I called as a kid, you know, they only introduced people on the mic. So this, that was special, so to speak. So you couldn't touch that mic for a DJ if you wasn't, you know, up the par for him. Mm. So when did you start? I mean, when did when did that start happening for you? When did you become the guy with the mic? Uh, when did you also when did you start writing and 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 kind of knowing you were good at what you were doing? Um, the writing part came later. You know, I was like I said, I was I, I lived in Bushwick. You know, Brooklyn from late eight, uh, early eighties, late seventies to early eighties, and then from the you know I, I moved to uh, Jamaica Queens in probably 84, 83, 84, and I moved to Southside Jamaica Queens, and you know the music was always with me, but the writing part came when I moved across the street from a a, a big guy at the time. Who's name Scarrow? You know what I'm saying? That's that's what people <laughs> come to know him today. And dude was heavy, you know, um, same demeanor as he has today. You know, the same guy you see today is the same guy I knew in the past when I met him. You know, but he was just a little heavier. And today he's on some <laughs> in shape shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, yeah, Farrell really introduced me to the art of writing. Mm. Yeah, it's funny. It's, uh, it's thinking about Pharaohs going from heavy to thin to heavy. And I think uh, I saw Black Star concert once in uh, Central Park, and Tell Them Quality has a line where he kind of uh, kind of plays with it. Where he goes, getting heavy again. Oh, getting, getting fatter again. Getting slimmer again. And fatter again. And slimmer again. Like Pharaoh Mosh. Yeah. <laughs> <kinda> like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yo, he and and it's it's weird, man. Like, you know, this dude to me in my mind, he was way better when he was heavier. But it was just a mind thing. I was used to seeing him that way. So, you know, when he really got in shape, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I I used to mess with him and tell him it affected it affected his 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 MCing, <laughs> you know, his voice <laughs> and his. But I was just kidding with him and teasing right. him because I wasn't used to seeing that transformation. Hmm. So, you know, over time, he, he just turned into an Adonis. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, he got muscles now. Right, right. Yeah. As opposed to how he used to look. Uh, let's go mm-hmm. a little earlier. You 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 eventually linked up with the ITC. Um, what were you doing kind of prior to, slightly prior to that, but then how did that, how did you cross their paths and, and what was that connection like? Well, um, like I said, Farrell lived across the street from me. So, you know, I'm seeing their process of making music. You know, they wasn't even organized at the moment. There was a, a group called STP, Simply Too Positive, which consisted of him and, and, and Prince Hope. And, um, you know, I was there, their underling and training, so I'm watching everything go on, you know what I'm saying? And and leading up to the moment of, of when, you know, I did the record Fudge Pudge on their debut album and their name change and, you know, the Walt Disney 
uh, record deal. And, you know, because for people that don't know, he signed the Hollywood Basic, which was a subsidiary of Walt Disney. You know, mm-hmm. Walt Disney had a record label. And, um, you know, uh, they used to they used to just basically tell me, don't sound like them. They used to, you know, scrutinize me over what I sound like, finding my own voice and stuff like that. And this is later on when, when I met Prince, too. But, um, yo, the process of watching them do what they do and revolutionize a, a style of them seeing and writing, it, it blew me away. So, uh, you know, obviously being young, I was influenced by them. And mm-hmm. I remember them telling me all the time, yo, mm, you know, Prince was more outspoken. So he used to be like, yo, you know, that's whack. Like, you sound like us. You're supposed to have your own voice. Like, don't sound like us. And, yo, that that shaped and molded me into having thick skin and basically getting upset to understanding what they meant by that. So, you know, mm-hmm. 91 was a debut for me on a record called Fudge Pudge, and the rest is history. When did you think about starting to kind of create a whole album and you know obviously we get we get one of the greatest albums of all time word life but when did you think about writing for that and and were you still kind of i guess maybe sharing i don't know uh, the your lyrics with them or kind of bouncing ideas off of them as you were writing you know word life right um i didn't think about the album at the time because i didn't I didn't even see past me. Um, I was doing demos on my own, but I didn't see past me doing what what happened after. But it's still like surreal for me. So, I mean, if you remember, if her single was called "Who Stole the Last Piece of Chicken," <laughs> so you know, um, it just turned out the second video, second single was "Fudge Pudge," and you know they was. Uh, shooting a video for it and I was included and that's when it started to hit me that's when I started thinking about damn can I do this Um, can I really try to do an album you know what I'm saying even though in the back of my mind probably you know I was shooting for that or subconsciously but I I really didn't know I didn't know what was going to happen I didn't take it that serious hmm uh when you think about the track Time's Up and, you know, Buck Wild has talked about how you see that track and that's really shows how you, you are a great songwriter and you, and a lot of artists don't know that today, how to actually be songwriters. Did you, right. after you wrote, after you wrote Time's Up, did you feel that way about yourself in terms of, yeah, I'm, this is the track that's going to, that's showing how great of a songwriter that I am, or did you feel that about other maybe records that were on uh, word life that maybe are not spoke about as much today. Um, I didn't think about the the. I didn't know what being a great songwriter meant at the time, or you know whatever people call it. All I know is, um, times up was a, the beat. The actual joint was Pharaoh's record, right? And I snatched the CD from him, you know, March was already Farrell March, so people was throwing him tracks, like 
you know, everybody else around March was like obsolete. Anybody who got in front of Farrell wanted to do a song with Farrell. So anyway, this guy named Prestige produced on World Life as well came with the loop and he gave March the CD. I heard it and I, for some reason, I was just drawn to it. I didn't know what it was at the time. I didn't know the sample at the time, none of that. And it was just like, damn, this is different. Now, here's the key that I did know. When you listen to a KRS-One, when you listen to a Chuck D, when you listen to a Slick Rick, a G-Rap, a Kane, a Rock Him, their debut records was 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 something special. And I don't think they planned it, but you had to be, you had to make an impact with your first record. Mm-hmm. And that's what I felt with Time's Up when I when I heard that loop, when I heard the sample loop. And I was like, damn. So I seen where he tossed the CD. <laughs> and I was like, yo, what you gonna do with that joint? He was like, what joint? You know, what are you talking about? And I was like, that, that joint Prestige gave you. And he was like, I ain't listened to it yet. So he kept uh, blowing it off every, you know, every week. I ain't listened to it yet. Until I figured out every day I came to his house, it's right there. So I know, you know, the next time he say that to me, I'm going to just snatch the CD and ask Bucky what it is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. you know, I don't want to jump the gun, but, um, you know, prior to all of that, I had met uh, uh, Digging, you know, a couple of members of Digging on this the, the Source Tour, which Farrell and Prince took me on after we released Fudge Pudge and the video was out and the momentum was gaining. And I got the, a chance to go on this, the very first Source Tour. And that's where I met Finesse and that's where I met Buck Wow. And, you know, circling back around. I was already friends with him after that tour, and me and Buck was demoing stuff. And I asked him, did he know what that record was after I lifted the CD from March? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I know exactly what that is. And he hooked it up, and the rest is history. Uh, I mean, obviously, the you know the, the line, and you know, we talked about the, the, the more emotion I put it into it, the harder I rock has been sampled by a, a, a lot of people, a lot of artists. Um, mm-hmm. When you... So I obviously I can't I can't I can't write lyrics to save my life. So when you hear a lyric like that, you're like, oh my god, that's amazing, genius. You know, when you when you write a lyric like that, I mean, is that mm-hmm. did you kind of figure that's going to be the lyric that people stood out stood out on that record to you, or you know, would be sampled in the long run? Well, you know, outside of um, having confidence, you don't know what people are going to like. Like, you know. Um, as well as I do, you know, for anything having to do with entertainment, once you put yourself out there, you're open to everything. Criticism, mm-hmm. scrutiny, you know, I like it, I don't like it. So I didn't know what people would think about the record. It was so awkward. And, um, you know, it was a couple of mistakes on there that turned out to work in my favor. I couldn't do three verses on the record because, you know, that was all I could write. Oh, that's all I felt, you know, so hence the two verse theory, not too many people did that. And um, I just didn't know what people was going to think about that record. I know I didn't like it after it was not that I didn't like it, but I didn't, I felt like it wasn't finished and it took search. It took 
Buck, it took Finesse, it took OG, it took all these guys saying, yo, you bugging the F out, man. Like, this is crazy. Especially Search. Search was more excited for the record than I was. And I just didn't see it at the time. Uh, I mean, I think the great thing about you, you, you research for your you, the music you do, and knowing you have have an influence over, you know, um, samples on the album and stuff like that uh, um, on music. Right. This, you know, the scratches uh, on Times Up, you know, always always stand out to me. And 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 Rock Raider, Rock Raider. Is the guy who does yes. this. How did how did he get on the track? And then how did y'all connect? And what? Was it a conversation about putting scratches on it, or did he just he just said, "Here, do it, do it, do what you got to do"? Well, I hadn't. Um, I don't believe I met Rock Raider at that at that moment. You know, I think he had just won the DMC. Um, he was already DJing for, for a couple of guys in the crew, showing AG, I believe, finesse. And, you know, he had a relationship with Bucky and them. And like I said, I didn't know him very well at that moment. But um, Buck was like, yo, you know, after I told him, yo, we need to add this slick brick record, he was like, won't somebody scratch it in and, or, or fly it in? And um, that's when he put in the call of Rock Raider. He had, he had a relationship with Rock Raider already. And we got that Raider, and he came in and did that. And, you know, he ended up doing the, the – um, Scratches on Times Up and Ozone as well, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the rest is history, man. He was he was he's he was family, you know what I'm saying. He was our, our in cool DJ, and you know um, not to jump ahead so fast, but you know his protege turned out to be our DJ as well after he passed away, which is Boogie Blind. So mm-hmm. you know I miss Raider because he was at of show DJ, you know what I'm saying, and and a hell of a DJ within itself. You know, he's a grandmaster. You know what I mean, for real, for real. He was crowned that by the other grandmasters. And I just wish he had more time on this earth to, you know, run around with us and do what we do and do our one tour and stuff like that. Sure. Um, you you mentioned the uh, the, the Slick Rick uh, sample. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, Slick Rick probably the one album as a 10 year old I memorized by heart. Uh, why, why do you, who chose Slick Rick and, and uh, why that choice? I chose him. And I mean, if, if people don't know by now, Slick Rick is my number one, you know, artist. Like today, that great adventures of Slick Rick record stands the test of time. Like, you know, I can't, can't even go into it. We'll be on here too long. We'll probably go over the time <laughs> talking about Rick's album. But and just the genius in him, even till today, like he has a timeless voice, a timeless aura about him. You know what I'm saying? And um, I was just a slick Rick fan, man. He taught me so much with that album. You know, I, I can't even begin, like, you know, thank this guy for for existing. Because he he really gave a lot of artists, you know, a a vision, you know, not be be afraid to to do what they do. He's the he's the reason for a lot of people being visionaries in their, in their rhymes. Mm. Uh, 
was that i mean was he was that album kind of or was there an album that that also helped you understand that you you yourself as an artist coming up could complete or make a full album um the great adventures album definitely did it for me but uh the world life whole thing uh how can I say yo rock him paid in full rock him is the blueprint for all of us mm. contrary to what people think like I don't think a lot of us would exist if it wasn't for rock him like he put the thought and the cool and the it's cool to be super intelligent and express that and you know I mean if you listen to early Eric being rock him he was so cool and fly. You, he made you seem like he cursed in his music, and he did. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right, right, yeah. Follow, you know, thinking of a master plan because there's nothing but sweating. I thought he, you know, he was just so he exuded cool, and mm-hmm. you know, OC, Mike Geronimo, Roy Flush, Nas. It's a bunch of us that probably wouldn't, you know sound the way we sound if dude didn't lay that blueprint down. So, um, I think a lot of, not, I think, don't think our generation, but I think maybe a lot of the younger generation will look at your, your debut album and ask, where are the features? Uh, why aren't there any features on this album? Uh, so was there talk about having features for this album? What did you, I mean, or did you just want to be, this is my debut album. It's just going to be me and me alone. Um, I mean, I had a feature, like I said, I, I come from the search like music camp. So obviously it was um, me and Nas in that camp early on. And Nas uh, basically didn't show up for a session that for the album. Me and Buck had a record called Mega Heart that was supposed to feature Nas on World Life. And, you know, he just never showed up. And, um, I was mad back then. I ain't even gonna front, but in hindsight, dude had the city on his back. You know what I'm saying? Like, hmm. and I was the only guy he stood up anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, I believe he walked out of a biggie session. You know, um, Jay tried to get at him. So, you know, everything happens for a reason, man. I, I'm glad. I wish he did. You know, because it would have just left a piece of history. You know, in the in in hip hop, that you know would have just been uh, crazy to see and hear, but I'm glad he didn't because I think I, I it was a prover ground for me with my my peers. I don't think people really was um trying not. I don't say I, I can't say people wasn't trying to see me do my thing. I I don't think people was convinced yet. And you uh, know, I was just like from there on now, I was like, I don't need features on my records unless I really, you know, chase them. Right. I, I think you know, Buck Wild talks about uh, how you know after you, your record did catch the eyes of people. So after hearing "Times Off," Puffy wanted to have a conversation with you, and even potentially sign right. you. Um, did that conversation ever happen? And and just envisioning 
I don't know, for me envisioning back then OC on on at Bad Boy. I don't know. It doesn't connect too well, but I mean, is, was that was that something that you if he said, Hey, here's the here's the here's the contract, let's go, would you have, you know, ran with that? Um you know, I mean, contrary to what people think about Puff, right? And I'm a, I have my own personal feelings in the sense of, you know, from a music standpoint, it was like our Quincy Jones, right? Mm-hmm. So I could recall around this time being on the road with Craig Mack and Big on some dates. So, damn, and both of them going, that's crazy. Um, yeah. I remember doing shows with Craig Mack and him um, he had the biggest record in the four, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. Flaving Your Ear was a monster. Like, it was a phenomenon, right? His big, big Juicy was gold already. This is what people don't understand. But Craig Mack was the man on Bad Boy. So fast forward to where I'm going with this. I remember a couple of times, you know, being wet behind the ears, Craig was getting so much work, he would be like, yo, oh, let me go on before you because I got to run to Rhode Island. And um, that was a mistake, man, because he would do this shit twice and tear the house down and basically come shows me and Big didn't perform because people wasn't trying to see us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, um, you know, that's how the, the whole Puffy thing correlates. So, I believe Puff, being the, the genius within himself, he is. He seen something in me. Um, we had a meeting. He told me he was gonna remix my whole album. I was like, nah. And he basically like get out of his office. <laughs> and I was like, cool. Yeah. And I never forget that moment because he had some big glass panes that was clear, so uh, clean and clear. I ran into a glass pane and the whole office turned around and was like, what the, cause I can see the glass, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I started the whole office, but I ran into that pain due to him kicking me out of his office. Basically like, there's really nothing else to talk about if you don't want me to redo your record. And I was like, well, you know. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. 
An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Were you, at that time, were you saying you're not going to remix my record? Did you feel that was more of a negotiation tactic on your end, you know, and, and, and with hope that he'd be like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. Okay. We'll sign you anyway. Or did, was it something else behind it? Yeah, exactly. And, um, in hindsight, you know, um, I don't think Joe had a, a super, super fat Joe had a super, um, relationship with him yet, but in hindsight, I should have, you know, kept that, that note to myself when it discussed it with a couple of people and then got back to him, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't destined for me to be over here. That's, that's all that was. And I'm glad, you know, it was, it was a learning experience, you know, to sit in front of a guy like that. And, you know, the rest is just like, whatever. I mean, you, you talked about the, the, the 94 class and obviously there's, Biggie, there's you, you know, there's J. Rule, there's Raekwon, Ghostface, all these, you know, uh, the late, late big, the late Big L, you know, you have all these. Big L. You, well, first, what is it about this class that, like, what's in the water that you guys are drinking that kind of made this class happen? And 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 do you think '94 was maybe the, possibly the best hip hop uh, class ever in hip hop? I don't know. I, 94, 95 was a hell, like two hell of a, two, two years that was just hell up in Harlem. Like, it, yo, I don't know what was going on. You had, you got to look back prior to 94. Red Man, Woo. I mean, just Woo as a whole, not when they started branching off yet. Um, you had so many dudes on the West Coast. You had Dre and Snoop. You had, yo, <laughs> it'll never be a class like that. Right. And I ain't, I'm not knocking the young dudes or, you know, the young people, but, yeah, it was something in the water. It was something in the water. Um, You had producers. It produced so many, not beat makers, but producers. That's iconic today. Think about that. And, mm-hmm. you know, my crew is part of that. You know, as far as some of the most, a lot of the music that people hear from early 90s, mid 90s, into the late 2000s is you dancing to digging music or remixes. 
That's a hell of a thing. Like, I can say that now. Like, damn. Like, we was big part of cities. Category five as it flows through the midi. I shows no pity. Hurricane winds churning up fear. Board up your houses, brace for what's here. 120 mile winds with strength and gusto. Batting down the hatches, asking what in the fuck for. Windmill signaling the eye of the storm. Touchdown, terrace it up. Winds beyond no. What's good, y'all? This is Breeze Bruin from the Mighty Juggernauts. And make sure you subscribe and download the podcast. Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Einan Kell. Hip-hop journalism on the highest level. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.